So we had the volatility situation because of the bank's problems. And then at the same time, there was expiry uh, in March. And as you know, the big one. One, exactly. So we have the quarterly expiries where the futures expire. And this was like a combination. We ended up having at the exchange like the three biggest trading volume days in exchange history. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome to this IBKR podcast episode. My name is Edward Strauss of IBKR based in our Swiss office. And today we want to explore international or more specifically, European trading possibilities. With this, we're happy to have our guest, Eugen Mohr, who's been with the Deutsche Börse Group for over 16 years and is currently the Senior Vice President for Equity and Index Sales at Eurex, a leading European derivative exchange to speak about international or more specifically, European trading possibilities. Thanks, Eugen, for joining us today. Hey, Edward, uh, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, also to the audience, um, a big hello. And uh, I'm looking forward for, for our podcast today. Yeah? Thanks. Maybe Perfect. before I start, uh, I mean, you made a little intro about myself. So 16 years with Eurex, um, having various positions at the exchange, um, working in the operations team, that's day-to-day -day business. Lately, um, in the sales team, business development team, I've been in Chicago, in London. So having a quite a good uh, background about the exchange, I would say. As you know, so IBKR, we're a global broker, right? And we are the professional's gateway to the world's market. So today, again, want to take that opportunity to speak a bit about the international opportunities investors may want to consider. Basically, U.S. investors are familiar with the Dow Jones Industrials, the NASDAQ and S&P 500 indices, but also the U.S. large cap brands um, and heavily traded equities such as Microsoft, Google, Tesla, and so on. There are also many large European or German companies such as Adidas, Mercedes, Deutsche Telekom, BMW, or SAP, but also other European global firms such as Shell or Nestle. These companies are also components of the major European indices. So for the German companies, this is the DAX or the German stock index, or the European, the Euro uh, Europe uh, 50 index. So can you give some more color as to the relative importance of the DAX and the Eurostock 50 index for European or non-European investors. Eurex is the biggest uh, European uh, derivatives exchange. Um, we're headquartered in Frankfurt, so we our mother company is Deutsche Börse Group. Deutsche Börse Group um, consists of the derivatives trading, but also cash trading, clearing. So we we build up the whole the whole value chain. Just to give uh, the audience a little bit of background about where we are, who we are in terms of the product portfolio. And you mentioned it. I mean, um, one of our benchmark products is the the Eurostox 50, as you said it, considering or consisting of the biggest 50 biggest companies in the eurozone based on market cap and uh, from from a german perspective it's the dex i mean the dex is a well-known index previously it was a dex 30 now last year the dex has been uh, added to 10 more shares to the dex 40 and also here uh, that consists of the 40 biggest companies in the german region uh, based on based on market share compared uh, to the us indices i mean germany is the largest economy in in europe therefore um, also the the DAX and uh, in particular the Euros 
Eurostox uh, is a very important trading product for us, especially the Eurostox 50 future uh, is actually the most traded future contract uh, at Eurex. And um, yeah, this is uh, one one piece of our big uh, product suite. Okay, very good. You know, obviously equity ownership and culture in Europe was not that developed uh, just even a few decades ago. Uh, can you explain the emergence of the European retail investor in the past decade? And basically, how is Eurex responding to their needs? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great question. Um, I mean, everybody speaks about the increased activities of retail investors. Eurex itself, historically, uh, was not a retail exchange. We were purely an exchange for institutional investors. Eurex is a relatively new company. We have been founded uh, about 30 years ago in the early 90s. Back then, this was under the name DTB, Deutsche Terminbörse. And the, the, the special thing about DTB, Eurex, was that we have been the first fully electronic exchange. I mean, back in the 90s, even in the in the 2000s, there were a lot of pit trading um, on the established exchanges in the US. Uh, but Eurex never had a trading floor. Eurex was from day one a fully electronic um, exchange. And therefore, we have a sort of pioneer rule uh, in the exchanging world, driving the market and changing the market to create electronic markets. And um, yeah, being the leader on the forefront of, uh, of, of the trading industry. No? So that's a little bit more um, on, on the background side. No, you've always been uh, known to be one of the more innovative uh, ones out there, right? So again, I understand that uh, you spent about four years working for Eurex in Chicago. Right. Um, can you compare and contrast the appetite from international investors for U.S. versus European investments? So, you know, basically, how do U.S. and European investors differ? And if they do, why do you think that is? So that's another great question. But maybe I need to get back to the uh, to the retail part, um, which I missed out um, previously. So as I said, initially, um, we are a pure uh, institutional exchange. But given the demand from end clients, from smaller end clients, into the trading segment, uh, also Eurex, uh, also here as a as a European innovator, uh, was was launching a retail initiative. The retail initiative itself was that we have broker agreements uh, around the globe. I mean, uh, an interactive broker, for example, is a is a very important partner for us. And the focus um, on those broker agreements is on education to yeah to educate the end clients and to to bring them. Um, on top of uh, the product, um, and in particular, also to to update them on potential risks, everything re- related next to it. No? So, so this this is a this is an important um, topic. This is an important point on on our agenda, and we we continuously work on this. I mean, education is one part. Uh, the other part, of course, importantly, is is also the, the product suite, of course. But when we look at the DAX, the DAX is a is a relatively heavy index heavy product i mean the dex itself has a about 15000 points and the the, the original dax future contract had a um, contract value of 25 euros per point that means when you trade one contract this is 15000 points times 25 euros that makes it in terms of trading a, a, a very heavy product and also in terms of margin requirements and therefore the exchange in line with the retail strategy we introduced uh, smaller contracts with a reduced contract size first the mini dax with a contract size of 5 euros and 2 years ago uh, the micro dax 
with a with a contract size of one euro per per index point to fulfill the requirements um, of of the market. When it comes for the needs um, of of the customers, especially between Europe uh, and in the US, I would say there are some some differences. I would say, I mean, I said I was four years in Chicago, so I have a little bit of a background. I would say there are some cultural differences. No? I mean, Europe or in Germany in particular, the uh, German investors are relatively conservative. We still have, I think, in the whole Eurozone, the lowest number ratio of equity of stock investors compared to the to the amount of people who live in the in Germany and we have the savings account is still like the most relevant um, yeah. investment that German uh, investors that's are true. using so but that's because they are just very afraid of losing money and that's why they go the ah. this conservative way we've seen the low interest rates over the last couple of years now things are rising but even during the low interest rate periods uh, it's it's clear that there's a lot of the retail investors that are even stuck with their with their savings books but going back to the Eurex product I mean, we did, you know, as you mentioned, Eurex is part of the Deutsche Börse Group, right? That has, that has the underlying. And a lot of those other products out there that uh, try to give those investors the access to the to the indices, uh, the different ETF products out there from the different providers. One has to know that those providers, the big guys, they're really going to Eurex to hedge themselves to do a lot of their main business, right? So I can uh, I can imagine that. But basically, when traders or investors, they think of Eurex, they me- immediately think of the exchanges being sort of, quote, home to the institutional fixed income trading, right? We haven't talked about fixed income, but this is basically for the last 30 years. Can you explain a little bit the journey of the exchange? You had said before it started out as electronic, but why it's so entrenched in the uh, in the bond markets? Yeah, I mean, um, it all started, as said, in the 90s uh, as a startup. And uh, one of the first products that we had was the future on the German government bond, the Bund. We, we have three products on that. The Bund future, which is like the 10-year uh, government bond, um, the bubble, which is the um, the five to six year, yeah. and the and the shards, which is the two two to three year. Historically, also here in the 90s, the market in the government bond futures was in in London on the live market. Those guys have been trading at the pit for for a very for a very very long time. They had the mar- they had the book, they had the market. However, it was the goal from Deutsche Börse uh, DTB uh, to bring back the, the Bund to yep. Yeah, Bring it, bring back home, and and therefore we had to we had a superior technology with all the advantages. No? I mean, you could could execute the trades more efficient in terms execution quality in terms of pricing. I mean, and a trade executed over an electronic platform is way or was way cheaper than over floor trading. And therefore, this was a big move in the mid 90s. And we quickly, I mean, as I said, with all the advantages, having a superior system, having the price advantage on the fee side, quickly we're able to migrate or bring back the German Bund future to, to Eurex. And this was like the first exclamation mark um, that uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for, for, for Eurex. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that it could be that some investors may not give that much thought to investing overseas because they just might not be familiar with it. That's obviously going back to their retail side. They might even not know where some of their you know favorite brands or companies are listed. So for example, I had an acquaintance in the States that lives close to a large BMW plant in South Carolina. He wanted to invest in the company, but his US online broker didn't, didn't offer the original share, but rather just the ADR, a lot of less liquidity and whatnot. Can you identify the challenges for investors investing overseas? DAX consists, as I said, uh, of the 40 biggest uh, German companies. There are brand names who, who the whole world names, especially on the car maker side, whatever, 
Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volkswagen. So, so this is this is a, a, a selling argument um, for for us to um, to advertise uh, our products uh, in regions outside of, of Europe and in particular in the US. Investment in the US, however, is connected to a certain level of specialities. So when you would like to offer uh, investment products in the United States, they need to go through the approval from from the SEC. So uh, this is for from the equity side from the SEC and for the future side from the CFTC. So this is the local regulator in the United States. And uh, the United States regulators have certain level of restrictions in terms of mm-hmm. what foreign investors can offer uh, to clients in the US. Right. And for example, Equity options, which fall under the SEC regime, unfortunately cannot offered um, to U.S. investors. And also certain types of equity index futures, pending if they are broad-based uh, or narrow-based, are also excluded from product offering. So we, we have limitations uh, to offer our products, but the products we have, they will they are widely accepted. And we have an increasing market share in the U.S. market because U.S. investors also need to uh, diversify their portfolios. And therefore, Eurex is the gateway to the European market, to the German market. And therefore, these products that we can offer are, are pretty um, prominent. Okay, well, obviously, the uh, it's a derivatives exchange, right? So we're talking now for the Eurex point of view, it's you know the, the futures, the options, this kind of stuff. And that's clear that those can't be off from the Deutsche Börse side. For the underlying that, that you know, U.S. investors can actually take uh, take advantage of that, you know, having fulfilled all kinds of uh, appropriateness checks and whatnot. Unlike un- other online brokers uh, in the U.S., that have solid offerings in their home countries. IBKR offers access to stocks that in over 15 markets, uh, 33 countries, you know, fees are transparently listed and the currency exchanges can also be done with uh, with low con- uh, low commissions where the spread is not. But basically going back to how Eurex and how it is a massive in the derivatives trading. Can you put some volumes into perspective for European traded products? Perhaps tell us about your biggest trading day or highest volume or what basically what happened on that day. I understand it was actually just recently. Yeah, exactly. That's a timely question. We had in February, March, uh, we had the turmoil in the banking sector with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, with the takeover uh, from Credit Suisse by UBS. I mean, these external market effects have an impact on, on trading volumes, of course. These uh, market impacts affect volatility, and volatility, of course, at the end of the day, affects uh, trading volumes. And on, on average, um, at Eurex, we're trading about seven to eight million contracts a day over the whole product suite. So that's equity mm-hmm. products, index products, fixed income products, volatility products, dividend products. So about seven to eight million per day. However, in those volatile days, and here was one thing which needs to be mentioned. So we had the volatility situation because of the bank's problems. And then at the same time, there was expiry uh, in March. And as you know, the big one. One, exactly. So yeah. we have the quarterly expiries where the futures expire. And this was like a combination which ended up having at the exchange like the three biggest trading volume days in exchange history. So we traded, I think, over 20 million contracts a day versus the 7 million per on a regular day. But since our system, and that's another thing to mention probably, Eurex is not only an exchange, also a software provider. So we developed our own trading platform. 
And since Deutsche Bors is a set of software provider, we have a state-of-the-art trading platform. And even on those high load days where you have 20 million traded contracts, where you probably have hundreds of million quotes and trade updates, the system never run out into any problems and could operate under, yeah, still under the lowest latency uh, levels, which is in the today's world for investors, for market makers, uh, a very important factor to keep the, the latency low. But uh, yeah, system proved even under high volatility days worked out perfectly. Yeah, it is indeed Im impressive. And in looking at you know some of the recent turbulence in the banking sector, we saw that although perhaps unrelated to the challenges U.S. banks are facing with rising interest rates, events in Europe, such as the recent Credit Suisse takeover by UBS, like how do events like this affect the volumes in the Eurex sector and indices, or in this case specifically maybe the Eurostoxx bank index? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So so next to the Eurostoxx 50, which is the um, the index for the 50 50 biggest companies in Europe, we're having sector products, sector indices. What is the sector index? The index provider Stocks uh, Contigo is calculating for every industry sector a separate index. So we're having the banking sector, we're having the automobile sector, we're having the chemicals, financial industry sector. And I think we're having about 24 different sectors. And of course, we're also having a respective futures on it. What is the advantage of investing into sectors? I mean, diversification uh, is key and investors, professional as well as private investors, need to invest and diversify in, in certain areas. And therefore, investing in a well-diversified sector index is, is capital efficient and fulfills the requirement of the of the individual investor. Coming back to the to the banking sector, the banking sector index, uh, it's called the FESB, the, the bank's sector future, is one of our most liquid products next to the Eurostox. Uh, why that? Uh, starting with the financial crisis in 2008, there was a high focus on, on the banks and therefore also and this explains the, the, the increasing volumes. Also, then, of course, need for such a future for investment strategies, but also for arbitrage strategies, and most importantly, also for hedging strategies. So the banking sector index is another innovation from the exchange. We're one of the first sector providers in the world here again. And yeah, we developed over time successful sectors and provide liquidity to the to the market in, in all those sectors. I can uh, can appreciate that. I mean, you can see that having been innovative again, uh, a lot of them, a lot of other competition out there probably try to copy it and emulate it. But obviously, we know there's a lot of the a, a good portion of the volume is uh, is on the Urex, right? So yeah, um, good. Basically, finally, is there anything that you'd like to bring to our listeners' attention or anything important investors should be aware of or consider in addition to what we've discussed today? Maybe to sum it up, I mean, as I said, Eurex was the first electronic exchange. So we are we are an innovator uh, in on the technology side, but also on the product side. I mean, we just elaborated the different products that we have. But another advantage, I would say, of a regulated exchange uh, is just the fact that we are regulated by the, the local and the European regulator. So we have a we have a reporting line to, to those regulatory bodies. And then on top of it, we have an internal uh, surveillance team as well, which looks over the trades and which makes sure 
that uh, the investors have a fair and orderly market. I think this is this is very important, especially in, in, in volatile times. And another advantage, I think, of a listed exchange like, like Deutsche Börse Eurex is just the fact that we have a so-called central counterparty system. Central counterparty is uh, important when you have a defaulting member because right. the central counterparty, the exchange, guarantees every buy trade and every sell trade. So if someone buys a future and someone sells a future, then those parties don't trade against each other. Everybody trades individually versus against the exchange. So the buyer trades against the exchange and the seller trades against the exchange. So the exchange guarantees payment and the delivery. And even if we have a default, like we had 2008 with the Lehman insolvency, then even those trades from the defaulting member are guaranteed by the exchange. Technically, it will be when a member is default, the member will be set to hold, all positions will be put into a exchange account and the member will be liquidated as soon as possible. But very, but very important, all trades stand and all trades are, are guaranteed. Yeah, well, look, we're in that time again where uh, obviously risk is on the high radar screen of, of everybody. And that's, uh, you know, that does reduce a lot of the risk, right? And uh, we yeah. know that with the sizes, especially on the institutional side, that's that's an important factor. Well, listen, Eugen, I appreciate you taking the time today to have this chat with me on the IBKR podcast. And uh, thank you very much for your insight. I can imagine that the topic we covered may inspire some of our listeners who uh, the investment possibilities in Europe. And I, uh, I appreciate, again, your time. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And also thank you for your time. And for interested investors, uh, please visit urex.com. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry, or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary seek professional advice. Trading on margin is only for sophisticated investors with high risk tolerance. You may lose more than your initial investment. For additional information regarding margin loan rates, see ibkr.com forward slash interest. There's a substantial risk of loss in foreign exchange trading. The settlement date of foreign exchange trades can vary due to time zone differences and bank holidays. The interest rate on borrowed funds must be considered when computing the cost of trades across multiple markets. Any discussion or mention of an ETF is not to be construed as recommendation, promotion, or solicitation. All investors should review and consider associated investment risks, charges, and expenses of the investment company or fund prior to investing. 
Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at ivkr.com. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. 